Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's always good to be with you, and, and we welcome you back. Well, thank you very much. And one day we will explore the topic of Jewish leadership. What do you I'm think of that? I'm still trying to figure out what you said before. About <laughs> very deep. Very, Malcolm, it's not for this time of morning. Very, very deep. We'll have, we'll have to do it over dinner. Then, then I might be able to explain it to you. Uh, you know, I, I, I said earlier i got to start with this because you have a way of putting things like this in perspective. The Olympics begin tonight, this international gathering uh, you know, centered on sports. And sometimes we have to just um, sit back and be amazed that we have a country like Israel and one that is represented at the Olympics and a large delegation, its largest ever, I would assume at this point, for the 2016 Games. And you know, Malcolm, that the arena of sports is a perfect arena for people to boycott Israel, to protest against Israel. And we've seen that a million times. But uh, starting tonight... They are part of this international sports community. So uh, what, what is the takeaway from this, the fact that, thank God, Israel is included and is being recognized as one of the countries participating? Well, the sports arena, as uh, you noted, has become a propaganda platform in the past. Remember in uh, Dubai with tennis, with uh, Pair, and with many others, Olympic and non-Olympic uh, settings. So this time, Israel has a, a large delegation. There is also a delegation of uh, Palestinians. And, in fact, the chairman of the Palestinian delegation was seen to be violating the uh, spirit of the of the games by already uh, making some sort of a statement. And um, he said, uh, any activity of normalization in sports with the Zionist enemy is a crime against humanity. So... This is that's by Jabril Rajub, who's chairman of the Palestinian Olympic Committee. We've discussed him um, many times, and yep. it's come under criticism by both IOC and others because it's a violation of their code of ethics. We'll see whether they take any other uh, uh, action, although it's not a participant. So it's, it's uh, I think they're more limited in what they can do. But you're absolutely right; it's an important platform, and we will see. There's a you know a new president in Brazil there. Uh, in fact, in several South American countries, which uh, uh, um, changes to the positive in Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, Uruguay. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, do they try to take advantage? And generally, will it be the target of any kind of activity? There were arrests last week of uh, people suspected of being involved in plotting some sort of an attack. Uh, Jewish community in Rio, is it one you visited? Uh, I've been in touch with him. We're actually planning a visit very soon, um, and I, but I've met with them here many times. You know, and, and we've discussed this, uh, God, how many times in the last couple of decades, but the South American Jewish community, is it one that is dwindling? Is it one that in certain areas is, is strong and growing? How would you describe it? Well, it's, you have to go country by country. In many countries, it's it's diminishing. For instance, Venezuela, which had a, a significant community, it diminished a lot under Chavez. And especially the young people uh, leaving. Argentina has a very large Jewish community, it's still a quarter of a million people. Uh, Brazil is, is considerably smaller, but it's a vibrant community. The question was whether they can retain the youth. And in many of the countries like Uruguay, Paraguay, et cetera, the communities are very small. And those who, 
who want to stay and want to ensure they stay in the community and be sure that their kids are going to be committed Jews uh, find it difficult to, to remain. Um, a lot of people want me to start, of course, or, or continue at this point with the uh, the cash to Iran situation. We will get to that in a minute. i got to start, though, with this. One year on, according to the Jerusalem Post, since world powers signed a landmark nuclear agreement with Iran, the deal is working, and Israel knows it, according to U.S. President Barack Obama. The military and intelligence communities, and let me just read this for a moment, the military and intelligence communities in Israel, the country that was most opposed to the deal, and that's a quote, the country that was most opposed to the deal, Obama said, had come to the conclusion that the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action was a, quote, game changer that had successfully put a lid on Iran's nuclear program and expanded the time it would require for Tehran to produce fissile material, fissile material for a nuclear weapon. Is this an accurate account by the president or not? The uh, well, there are several aspects to it about whether a year later are, are we better off. In some respects, yes. Was there a limit on the amount of enriched uranium? Yes. Were some of the facilities stopped? But to say that that Iran is in compliance when we we look at the broader picture, their support for terrorism is, has increased. Their uh, the four ballistic missile tests all clear violations of a, of a UN Security Council resolution. Uh, the the uh, domestic human rights violations, the threats against their neighbors, their activities supporting Hamas, Hezbollah, their expanded activities regionally and globally, all of those would indicate that you know there was no the, the attendant benefits from the deal that Iran would somehow moderate that we would see changes did not materialize. Uh, so you can make a technical argument and and uh, point to these uh, achievements. But one has to look at the totality of the picture. And it is true. There are Israeli officials and military and security officials who have said that, that in this regard, the, the uh, deal is better that Iran, at least in what we know, of course, there's always the element of what we don't know, yeah. um, did restrict it, uh, the uh, some of their nuclear program. But there are other reports that came out now that, that uh, reveal... Uh, as the side letter from uh, Iran, uh, with Iran, which the administration said was not a side letter, not a deal, but in fact, the Iranians said this past week that it was a side letter, and they were angry that it was leaked, and they're angry at the International Atomic Energy Agency that they claim leaked the document. But that shows, and there are people who say now, that it would take them four months to break out after the 10th year or whatever point. Could this story be all about the timing of the story? Number one, there is an election coming up, and I don't know if this type of statement or atmosphere the president's trying to create could help the Democratic candidate. That's number one. And secondly, now we know, of course, and it's a deal that we, or it's an episode we'd love to get your take on, this cash to Iran uh, situation. Is it just trying to divert attention or make Iran look more of a neighborly or friendly country to the U.S. as this is going on? I think, if anything, Iran is, is moving in directions away from the U.S., and their criticism of the U.S., the harsh statements by Khamenei just in the last days uh, have been are, are very blatant and, and extreme. And he talks about the, uh, talking to the U.S., it's poison to us, and they are, you know, and, and threatening the United States. And um, So I, I don't anticipate that this is a change. Look, I think the president... Wants to vindicate himself. He's at the end of his term, and he he I think he believes that the deal was a good deal, that he was sold it, uh, and that uh, he wants the record 
to, to reflect it, even implied that people should apologize right. uh, for the uh, earlier opposition. They should uh, say, you know what, deal. you know what, we were wrong. That's what he'd like to hear uh, people like the Israeli uh, leaders say. Well, I think he would like to hear from all those who voted against it, which is still right. the majority of the Senate and the majority of others. And I think that very, a lot of people are not convinced that this deal is, in the long run, a good deal. And the money going to Iran, you know, is fueling the purchases, this, the, the, the deals with um, Boeing and with Airbus, even though they're supposedly for domestic aircraft, but they're used to fly the supplies to Syria, to, to Yemen, to other places where they... Uh, provide the assistance to to te- their terrorist network, uh, their global terrorist network, and the the money not going to benefit the people. Clearly, until right. now, and, and the, the Khamenei then blames the U.S. and says, "Well, you haven't released the thing. You're not encouraging the Europeans to do business. You're not uh, getting European banks to do it. It's because they can't sell it because they have a corrupt." banking system, and nobody wants to deal with it, including the U.S., by the way, which has still retains uh, many sanctions, uh, and the administration has retained many sanctions on uh, Iran banks, Iran system. So they feel that they haven't benefited, and coming to an election, the people will say that, that the government stole the money. There's a big scandal because the exaggerated salaries that were being paid. This was an argument against Ahmadinejad. It's like a cap of $2,353, as I recall. I'm not sure the exact amount, but I think that was it. And uh, for executives and for in government companies, and uh, Rouhani, like Ahmadinejad, appointed their cronies, and they paid him more than was allowed, so it, came, it became a scandal, and the people who, uh, especially outside the big cities, are, are paying a heavy toll, and there's uh, high unemployment, there's a lot of tsaras for them. So uh, domestically, they haven't seen the benefit from a year later of what was supposed to be the influx of all of this money. What do you? And, what, I'm sorry. And the money going coming in clearly is going to support increased terrorist activities, the supplies to Hamas, to, to Hezbollah, to many others, and we see the the uh, attempts to 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 just give Iran a, a carte blanche to re-enter, and the Europeans encourage to do business. The uh, the um, Iranians were in Russia now, negotiating more deals, and, and Putin is playing everybody. He's playing Erdogan, he's playing the Iranians, everybody, and trying to fill in where he feels that the U.S. and the West have left a void. Um, the, uh, what do you make of the cash delivery that uh, the press is concentrating on this week? Well, we discussed it on the show months ago. We, this is a story that really came out at the beginning of the year about uh, the payoff, the, the money that was paid. Here what they're describing is that a, a plane uh, was loaded with cash, $400 million in cash, but the total payment was $1.7 billion, the balance being supposed interest on the $400 million, which was owed for 36 years, and therefore this total, the total amount was $1.7 billion. And what, what was interesting to me was the testimony of one of the hostages uh, Pastor Abedini, that um, uh, uh, yesterday on television, that the plane with the money was the second plane. The first plane was sent empty to bring, pick up American hostages. And they were told that they couldn't leave until the second plane was there and confirmed <laughs> that they delivered the money, <laughs> which certainly looks like a payoff. And, <laughs> and when they said that there was no you know, connection, and that the 
they, their plane was ready to leave, and they were held overnight at the airport because the other plane had not yet arrived, and even though it was on the way and confirmed to be on the way. So that certainly colors the story a little bit more. Uh, and, and, it, and again, but it comes on the heels of that AP story and the question that all these things undermine confidence, and, and then Congress calls hearings and says, what's going on? You, you, you said there was no ransom. You said that this was a, a deal, and yet it, it appears, and, and you... you the, one of the consequences that is feared is that this invites more hostage taking if they know that they can get a, pay, a ransom, a payoff. Yeah. Uh, back for a moment, just for a second, to the issue that uh, the president brought up. When you speak to Israeli intelligence personnel, what's the range that they would agree? Um, uh, you know, Iran has been postponed in terms of the nuclear capability. I mean, some obviously would say there's been no postponement, but even those who might agree with the president that in that respect this deal was a good deal, what's the longest amount of time you've ever heard that the postponement, uh, you know, will have lasted? Well, those who really know and study this uh, know how complex what you're asking really is, and therefore th- th- there's no easy answer because, you know, they look at all the different aspects and the fact that, you know, that now we find out that after 10 years, they can start introducing these new centrifuges, and which might cut the time of production, as I said, to three, four months, right. um, but certainly reduce it because they will have these much more advanced centrifuges. And last week they said they had those that were 15 times more faster. And um, uh, so they look at the totality of, of the program and their activity and the fact that given all the tests and all the um, investment in the ballistic missiles, that they will be much more advanced in the delivery system, in weaponization, in in speed of, of enrichment. So the 10 years or 11 years or even 12 years is, is, a, is a blink of an eye in history in this regard. Yeah, that's the point, is that it, it's just it's going to go by very quickly no matter what uh, people think in terms of number of years. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Malcolm Holmline's with us conducting our weekly update here at JM and the AM. Um, the... Um, IDF attacked a Hezbollah convoy in Syria this week. What type of, and I know we spoke about this a little bit last week, but what type of jurisdiction does Israel have on that border? And every time they go in and, you know, and take out a terror group or eliminate, you know, a, uh, you know activities like, like what happened this week, is this something the Syrian government approves of, ignores, would prefer if Israel didn't act? What's the attitude there on the border, especially vis-a-vis Syria and its leadership? Well, I haven't polled any leaders lately, and nor has anybody else, so it's hard to know what they think. But, the, you know, it is complicated about what international words you have. But you, the country has the right to protect its borders and its citizens, even if it means cross-border raids. You know, we went into Mexico to get Pancho Villa. We, we cross uh, borders in many countries and many places, uh, all those who are bombing. So some can say they were invited in by the Syrians, but... Uh, I don't know if the French, the U.S., and others, the Russians can claim that they were invited in. Iran can claim maybe that it was invited in. But to prevent the death of, of its uh, citizens, and when you when terrorists uh, cross borders, as they do illegally, and threaten another country, then you take the, the necessary steps. 
the fact is that the shooting that's been going on uh, near the Golan and across the Golan that required the response was not from al-Nusra al-Qaeda. It was coming from Syrian army units. So the response is against Syrian army units, although, of course, the fear and the concern is about the activities of others. Generally, the Golan has been pretty quiet. There were some things involving some Druze villages up there. And, in fact, interestingly, one of the leaders of the Druze in the Golan came out very strongly against the the uh, unreal report, I think, one of the UN agencies' description of the occupation, and they said, "Listen, this is an occupation. This is the we have it the best of anybody. Just look what's happening across the border, and, and defended Israel uh, against uh, some of these uh, wild charges." So the the you know there was also a report now that Al Nusra and Al Qaeda split. That Al Nusra, which was Al Qaeda in Syria, has broken its affiliation. In fact, that was just a defensive move because of the expected bombings and the uh, uh, escalated bombings by Russia and now the U.S. and others, uh, they are trying to protect themselves by saying, look, we're not part of al-Qaeda. And, in fact, many people believe that that's just an, uh, um, you know, a defensive move and not a reflection of, of a change in reality. And on, the, and on the other side of things, geographically, when Egypt kills an ISIS leader in the Sinai, are they doing that with Israeli cooperation or no Israeli cooperation was necessary for them in this, in this time? Well, I don't know whether Israel cooperated in this particular attack, but Israel has drones flying. Israel has worked closely with the Egyptians. They've been tracking this guy. It is a big kill. Of course, it's illegal. Uh, Sinai is under their control. This is a terrorist entity operating against uh, both civilian and military targets, Egyptian targets. They actually got very, are, are increasingly angry at Hamas because the, the soldiers who are wounded are being smuggled through tunnels to Gaza and that there are ties between, and, and, and supposedly the uh, uh, ISIS, Egyptian, the Sinai ISIS, has an infrastructure in Gaza, and they do training and other things there. Um, and, of course, um, Hamas benefits financially and in other ways from them, including the movement of some weapons. So the Egyptians are, are really angry about the, and, and the CC, you know, makes it very clear about um, his attitude towards this, about what's going on, and the the uh, continued attempts to build tunnels six miles a month being built by Hamas, uh, and by the way, Israel building uh, a wall with an underground barrier, uh, and they also will have the ability to detect if tunnels are being built nearby, so it's before the threat actually materializes. Uh, Fatah this week claimed that they killed 11,000 Israelis. This is Fatah, not Hamas. Right. That was of course, that we have an election post. coming up, right. so you might have an escalation by the different parties. The Hamas is, is, is challenging Fatah in the West Bank and in Gaza. They retracted that, or they maintained the statement? Oh, no. The, well, it was uh, online, and they'll, yeah, Facebook they'll post, find right. some excuse. But the statement's being made by right. other leaders all along. Yeah, they made sure it got, it. It got Their it incitement, all these things that, that are cited by many, I mean, it's just totally uh, unacceptable. By the way, in, a, in an interesting side note, the, the chief of staff of, of Israel is visiting in, in Washington now, and yesterday they surprised him. The uh, Joe Dunford, the Joseph Dunford, the chairman of the U.S. Joint Chiefs, gave him um, the Legion of Merit Award and talked about his uh, exemplary meritorious service, etc., in a ceremony, a very colorful ceremony that they did. They, they've done it with some of the previous chief of staff, but this was a surprise, so it also continues to underscore the relationship right now. This week in, in Israel and Haifa, there were uh, the large contingent of Marines and of uh, Israeli 
who were doing joint maneuvers, and um, it, it was anti-terror maneuvers, and what happens when they take hostage moving into an urban area, and they share the technologies, they share their experience, uh, but those stories don't make headlines. Well, we mentioned the Olympic spirit, and uh, there is some spirit between the intelligence communities and military communities, it seems, of the United States and Israel. This is something that we really should bring up every single week because it puts some people at ease as they consider uh, the danger that Israel faces on a regular basis, knowing at least, as you've indicated and proven to us so many times, that the United States intelligence and military is cooperating and working with Israel very closely all the time. And I think it's important to emphasize. And I think we're getting closer to an MOU. I think it could you know, well take place now in the next uh, month. And that memo uh, and that memo me? of understanding will include even more aid, even more support, uh, similar to what we are used to from the past? What would you say? Well, there will be an increase, but remember with inflation and with other things, so an increase has to, has to be significant in order just to stay at the same level uh, as what it was. And that will, happen before the, that will happen before the election? Uh, I think now that it will happen before the election, with the... the um, National Security Advisor uh, was here this week negotiating. There are still differences. I think on the one, one of the issues is the 26 percent that is used to, to in Israel is allowed to be spent in Israel. All the balance is spent here in the United States, creating tens of thousands of jobs. People think the money all goes to Israel, it's, it's, and it's in fact uh, three quarters remains here and is spent here for the purchase of goods and services. Uh, and for Israel, this is critical because this supports their domestic industry, which has proven to be very productive, beneficial to the U.S. for technologies, life-saving technologies it develops and new equipment. But I think the American military-industrial complex is is, uh, is behind some of these moves because they feel that they, they don't want the competition from Israel right. in the sales uh, to other countries. Oh, uh, interesting. And so the... The, the questions were rose were one was that, and I think what will happen there is that they will phase out rather than cut the completely the foreign uh, uh, services, the, the allowing them to have spent some of the money uh, in Israel. And uh, the, the questions were also raised about the ability to go to Congress for additional amounts, et cetera. So those mm-hmm. are all the things that have to be finalized. It's a very complex deal. It's a 10-year arrangement. Uh, the only country that has such a deal and hopefully that will be in place so that the military will know to be able to, to plan ahead. Speaking of getting that done before the election, what do you think of this effort by both campaigns to uh, get as many Israeli Americans or American Israelis to vote as possible? Well, it's certainly a sign of desperation on everybody's part that the small number of voters in, in Israel, it, and, and from what I see, there aren't massive efforts in other countries yet, and I'm sure they it will come after uh, Labor Day when campaigns usually get into full swing. Uh, but it is interesting that they that, that the effort and the attention that was given in the last week or so to the limited number of Israeli voters. You mean the Americans in Israel who vote? Right. Yeah. Uh, I find it fascinating that both campaigns think it's a group that they can woo. But I, get, but I guess they're looking at this entire country like that. That uh, Well, know. it depends. You know, you need domestic people, local people who, who make it uh, attractive. It's not necessarily the central campaigns. It's because right. you have people there in Israel right. who are offering to be active and who are organizing. Palestinian manager of the Gaza branch of World Vision, according to the New York Times, which is a major Christian aid organization, was charged by Israeli prosecutors Thursday with infiltrating the charity on behalf of Hamas. 
and funneling about $43 million in the group's funds over the past six years to the military wing of the Islamist militant group. Uh, I have a feeling this happens on more than just this occasion, right? Yes, unfortunately, and it's not something that is, is new. I remember years ago, uh, I think the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs uh, wrote about it, and I, I suggest people look at today's Daily Alert, dailyalert.org, uh, our daily publication. People should read it all the time, but the, today there are a number of articles talking about uh, the, the, this issue. And, but it is not a surprise. We know that UN agencies have been suborned. We know that um, NGOs, and when there was the legislation recently, and it was international criticism of Israel for demanding certain transparency about foreign governments' involvement. And here we know that Australia, for instance, just suspended the, the, their money to uh, funding to World Vision programs in Palestine. Um, because the head of it, it was the, the leader of, of the World Vision Gaza, was charged with giving the money, diverting the money, and we know that, that millions were involved, that they were diverted to, to uh, uh, in fact, tens of millions probably, from the, serving the poor uh, to, um, uh, to, to terrorist activities. And the fact that you have no monitoring and, and the charges generally fall on deaf ears. Nobody wants to to pay attention to to these uh, to the to the activities. And the Europeans have been supporting groups that involved in incitement and even more directly. And and having the exposure, the ability to expose some of these groups and be subjected to the same kind of scrutiny they would be here about foreign money coming into a country. Um, I, I think this. It will give those uh, the the advocates of that a, uh, a stronger platform. What's the timetable on the PA election again? I know you keep reminding us, but it's in October. In October, and is there a is there a UN gathering? It's next? a municipal election. It's not a, right. It's not a, right. But nonetheless, as we said last week, Hamas can make real uh, inroads in that election, right? Right. Um, is there a UN meeting next week, next month, the September annual uh, gathering? Absolutely. And there will be a meeting, and the, the process of the selection of Secretary General is ongoing. And that will uh, be in place by next month, or no? No, it'll probably not be till October. The Russians want it because they're going to be in the chair of the Security Council, and they want it to be when they are in their president in the presidency. There are it, there is a winnowing process that goes on right now with a bunch of straw votes uh, that try to today is actually a, a straw vote today. Um, and that is supposed to indicate who has um, the most dominant positions amongst the, the, I think there are 15 candidates. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be an East European and a woman. That Those conditions seem to fall by the wayside, and you have men and people from all over the world competing um, uh, for the position. And uh, there's a lot of lobbying. I've met with many of the candidates, um, some of whom are, are good. And unfortunately, though, once they get in, it's this UN system corrupts them. Uh, hmm. And uh, we are, as you know, doing this m- big campaign, and uh, I hope everybody will join the petition we have against the bias at the UN, where we cite this one-sided treatment, and th- th- it, 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 they can go to the conference of presidents.org website and sign up there. It's um, you know, it's really important right now that we keep highlighting and keep the pressure on to to show the discriminatory practices. Uh, against Israel, and especially as a new Secretary General. It's one of the issues we obviously discuss with the candidates. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, if the episodes of Ahmadinejad and 
Palestinian statehood and things like that dominated, you know, prior September UN gatherings. Anything specific aside from the Secretary General uh, choice that might dominate the news next month? Well, Syria will clearly be uh, a big issue. It could be Turkey. Oh, right. uh, there's a big rally planned for Sunday, a rally for democracy in Turkey, with all the parties joining in. But as you know, the, the tens of thousands of people were arrested, and they're still demanding the extradition of Gulen, who's in Pennsylvania. He's the leader of, uh, seen as the, by the, Iran- the, the Turks charge him with being behind it. He's the head of a, uh, a separatist group, and uh, he denies any, any involvement in the attempted coup in the they will have to prove it if they want to get uh, the extradition. Uh, so Turkey, uh, Syria, obviously, will be uh, issues. I think Libya could well be uh, an issue, the whole fight against ISIS and what, what's happening in different uh, regions in that regard. I think that the, the, um, uh, you know, the instability in the world is, is certainly of, will be of great concern, not that the United Nations will likely do anything about it. It's more a platform for mm. world leaders to, to get up and say what they have to do. It's a sort of mandatory appearance. So they may not get to the topic of that it might be wrong to uh, execute gay teenagers in Iran for being what they are? I think you can count on that. And uh, and one of the issues that we obviously watch for is whether there will be a move of some kind to introduce a resolution in the Security Council on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Uh, and it could be one that either deals with the parameters in general. I think that will not happen. I think the French are going to continue their initiative, and as I said last week, I don't think it's going to go very far, but they will continue to do it for their own domestic purposes, and they have an election in France coming up as well. The, um, the, 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 one of the dangers that we see as a possibility is that a resolution will be introduced on the issue just of settlement right. to condemn the settlement movement and whether the u.s. will veto others or someone else or what whether they will have the votes the united states has tried to block moves like this in the past but uh... you know every year is different it certainly is by the way there's a story a, a headline about the uh... the would-be uh, jerusalem pipe bomber the light rail, as we heard uh, a couple of times this week, was spared uh, by Israeli intelligence or security officers who were who were quick and who know how to respond when they see something that looks suspicious to them. And I say it like that because it seems that uh, you know world security forces don't always get what 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 looks suspicious. It seems Israeli security forces, thank God. Uh, more often than not, are able to detect what is suspicious. Uh, anyway, the the headline is that the uh, the bomber learned how to make a bomb off of YouTube. Now that ain't no headline anymore, Malcolm, because essentially everyone at this point can go online and uh, and see how to uh, make methods uh, or or items of terror. Uh, the key now is to try to stop them. And like I say, it, I, I don't know. I, I don't. Know, I don't want to call it luck. But we do see that, especially in the case of these Jerusalem episodes, we do see that Israeli security, uh, and not, not intelligence, we're talking about on the spot, are able to somehow quell these attacks. And it's, Well, it's, it's intelligence, and it's, uh, you know, people who risk their lives going in and, and doing it, and there are, is, there are domestic sources, Palestinian sources of intelligence. Yeah, but I'm uh, saying when the guy's ready to get on the light rail and someone says that something just doesn't look right, Right, that, that's and that 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 is, uh, and it's often civilians yeah. who who see something and say something, which is why this campaign in America, which people make light of, is really so important, and and why we push it so hard as well. And our kids should be educated about it. That when you see something that doesn't seem right, 
better to risk a little bit of embarrassment than than consequences. Uh, the, the, the but even in Israel, you know, forty people were killed in, in, from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. Right. Uh, I'm willing no more before Rosh Hashanah. Um, and you saw the stabbing yesterday in England. Right. An American woman was was killed. That uh, it's very hard if somebody just w- wants to whip out a knife and has been incited and connected or something. It could be totally unconnected. There's no way you can prevent uh, ultimately uh, 100% those things. You have to do the maximum intelligence. I saw an amazing uh, thing this week. Uh, somebody showed me a, a, a program that a company developed where they can go into the deep dark net, which is not, it's the Internet's dark side, and can trace people, for instance, as you said, on explosives, and they can tell you who in this country, any country, uh, went in the last week to look at sites about building a bomb. Well, that's the kind of stuff you have to monitor, and intelligence has to be working on all the time, and every time something like this pops up, they got to be on top of it, because everyone is a potential killer. I know, but the libertarian part of everybody fears things like that as well, especially when you know our background in Jewish history. Yes, but, but you know what? There, there are times, and especially in situations like we are in today, where... There has to be some leeway. It's one of the big arguments. Obviously, we want to protect civil rights, and we want to protect people from abuses of, of the system. But the, you know, the necessity, because you know, people can today go online, learn everything you need to know about assembling a bomb. They can be incited online. They can be given instructions online. can be told targets online without any human contact. It's a different era. Mm, that's for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, hopefully we'll have a peaceful and wonderful week ahead as these nine days commence and we start to focus on the uh, national mourning period. Uh, let's hope, in fact, that it quickly turns into one of great joy and gladness for the Jewish people, I think. Well, I, yeah. And if I can say yeah, that sure. people will be reminded that with the attacks we saw this week by some so-called historians, again, right. criticizing Israel, that... Sinat Chinam was the reason why we have this period, uh, largely, and the the you know baseless hatred and the kind of attacks uh, really so outrageous, and people like that have to be confronted. It has to be answered, and, ha- and people not fall into the trap and think that all the divisiveness we see, how individuals and organizations and and Israel can be attacked uh, really wantonly, that uh, that it, we we pay a heavy price for it ultimately. That's for sure. Thank you so much. We will speak uh, very close to Tishabov next Friday morning. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thanks for Have joining us. Shabbos, Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM.